He walked for more hours than he could remember, eventually finding himself away from the tourist area and in the suburbs which were unlit and dark. Finally, feeling tired, he sat on a park bench listening to the sound of the Thames as it gurgled past. The rain had eased off and a cool wind was blowing from the west. He was soaked to the bone and the cold was creeping in, but he had endured far worse over the past ten years serving in the SAS and it bothered him not at all. The bottle was three-quarters empty now, and he placed it on the ground and lay full stretch on the bench. A tall, powerful man, he struggled to find any sort of comfort, but, like many professional soldiers, he had learnt the knack of sleeping anywhere, and the drink soon took him away, as always, into dreams of death and blood and loss. Why or how he heard them, he could only guess. Maybe years of living in hides and dugouts gives you other senses, but soon hushed voices filtered through, and he looked through slit eyes at three men in front of him, desperate men in cheap, ill-fitting clothes. The biggest and dirtiest of the men reached for the vodka bottle and had a swig before passing it to his two mates. "'Is it Dad?' said a tall, thin man, wearing an old grey military-type overcoat that had seen better days. "'No,' said a small rat-faced man. "'I can see him breathing, but he's holding folding money,' said the big man, and tried to reach inside Bill's jacket for his wallet. Bill woke up fully then, and carefully and slowly, with some difficulty, sat up. All three men moved back as they saw the size of him. "'Give me your wallet in your watch,' said the biggest man, obviously the leader. "'No,' said Bill in a calm but slurred voice. "'I will not.' The upper-class accent and uniform threw the men for a minute, they looked around. No one else was in sight. It was dark, and they could smell the stink of drink and sweat and rain on Bill, who was obviously worse for wear. "'Been to a fancy-dressed party, have we?' said the rat-faced one. "'Then decided to walk to this dark place. Very silly, very silly indeed.' He pulled a nasty-looking old-fashioned cut-throat razor and waved it in Bill's face. "'Now be sensible, or I will cut your throat.' Bill stood up, staggering a little. "'Now, look,' he said reasonably, smiling widely. "'We've had a nice drink together, and I think we should all just shake hands and part as friends, don't you?' "'No,' said the big man, and charged at Bill, and the other two joined the attack. Bill moved forward, blocking the razor with his forearm. He smashed his head into the face of the biggest man, and shoved him round in front of the rat-faced man, who got caught in the big man's coat. The thin man punched Bill in the back of his head and tried to get him in a neck-hold. It is becoming a melee, like rugby at school, thought Bill. Failing to get a hold, the tall man circled, trying to find an opening, finally throwing some hard punches to Bill's body in the side of his head. Bill struggled, absorbing the pain as the blows rained in from his three opponents, and he started to enjoy himself. The drink was losing control of his movements as it was driven from his body by adrenaline and pain. He twisted and kicked and punched. With his training now coming to the fore, he managed to grab the wrist of the man who had the razor, twisting it viciously and making him drop it. Then he went back again into the melee. He loved fighting and also loved the pain. No clever stuff, he thought. He wanted, he needed, to trade blows with all three men, taking and giving with free abandon, until the three robbers finally fell to the floor exhausted, covered in blood and barely conscious. "'Come on!' 
he shouted, standing over them, laughing, blood dripping from his forehead, nose, and a cut under his eye. That was great! Let's start some more! But they could not hear him. He stood there looking at them in disgust before settling back on the bench and reaching for his vodka bottle. The police found them all ten minutes later. The noise of the scuffle had alerted a passerby, who called the emergency number. It all went very quickly from there. An ambulance was called for the three men, and Bill was cuffed, put into the back of a police car, and taken to the local station, and then put in a holding cell. The duty sergeant, seeing Bill's uniform and checking his ID, sent for the military police. Within two hours, Bill was on his way in the back of a military landover, still in handcuffs, to the Military Corrective Centre in Colchester, the only UK military prison. He was processed, and then, as an officer, he was given a cell to himself and locked in solitary confinement for twenty-four hours to sober up.